The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Merry Christmas. Thank you. You say it back. Merry Christmas. Good job. It is great to see you all this morning. If I haven't had the, ple- uh, the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Justin. I'm the youth pastor here for our middle school and high school students. Uh, and for those people that know me really well, um, and quite honestly, as long as I can remember, I've always been a why guy. Do you have those people in your life that they're always asking that question, why, 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 why? Uh, and I, so when we have discussions with our high school students, they can vouch for this. Anytime they answer a question, they know the next thing that comes out of my mouth is going to be, well, why? Why do you think that? Why did you answer that? And they, they start to roll their eyes. They're like, come on, Justin, I get it. And it's, I want to help you understand. But I get that they, it can be an annoying question sometimes. My wife and I, we have four, four kids under, five and under, four kids five and under. And so we get that question a lot from my kids. Why, why, why? And it's like, stop asking that. So I get that it can be annoying. But I do believe that this question, why, is incredibly helpful for us in certain, certain times, especially as we read God's Word. And so this is what I'd like to do with you guys this morning. I want to take a look at, at the Christmas story that I think we've probably all heard. Maybe you haven't heard it. And if you haven't, great. We're happy that you're here and that you get to hear it with us today. But a story that most of us have probably heard about the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. And then I'm going to invite you to ask that question with me. Why? Why did God do this? And see what this Christmas story has to offer us. So, to do that, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. You'll find there in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke chapter 2. These verses should be up on the screen as well. Starting in verse 1, it says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And again, we've probably all heard this story, and it's very sweet and sentimental. We're going to sing a song called Silent Night, and it's so peaceful and calm in the scene of Jesus' birth. This was not really a, a, a pretty picture if you actually dive into it. And so I have two questions when I read this text. If, if God would send the Messiah who had been prophesied about for centuries at this point, Why would he send him as a baby? And then secondly, if this really is the Messiah, if this is God's one and only son, why would he do it like this? In a stable? In a manger, which most of you know a manger is just a food trough? A dirty, smelly, nasty food trough? This was not a pretty picture. And so why does God do this? I wonder if any of you have had those same questions. We talked recently with our students uh, in a series talking about this idea that it's really hard, especially when we're young, um, this struggle that we have where we feel like God doesn't really understand us, where we feel like God doesn't really get what we're going through. And and certainly he's outside of the things we're going through. He's, He's not there 
in it with us. And this doesn't just stop in adolescence. Actually, this can carry with us as we get into adulthood and get all these messes that we've talked about the last few weeks. It's easy to feel that way as well. God, do you care about what's going on? Do you care about this mess? Are you here? It's easy to have that struggle. But the great news that we find in this Christmas story that we'll talk more about is that Jesus actually understands our messes more than we realize. Jesus understands, and not only does he understand what's going on, but he's actually right there with us in the middle of it. And Jesus was born as a baby into a mess. We just read a, a brief little snippet of that. And I don't know if you've thought much about this, but after his birth, Jesus goes and lives the full human experience. Like he gets what it's like for us young parents in the room today that have young kids when your kids are just screaming and the dog pooped on the floor and then somebody else pooped and you're, trying to, you're just trying to survive at some point with your kids, man. Jesus gets what that's like. He knows what it's like for young parents. For those of you that have uh, teens, teen parents, you need to know that Jesus was a middle schooler once. <laughs> he was in middle school. He ran away from his home. You remember that story? He ran away for three days. Mary and Joseph were looking all over for him, right? Jesus gets what it's like. He was often overwhelmed and needed to be away from people and take time to be by himself with everything that was going on. He experienced pain and loss and hunger and thirst. By God, he was tempted by the devil himself. And the point is, is that Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be human. He sympathizes with us. It's what Hebrews just said. He, he sympathizes with our struggles. But it goes even further than sympathy. And that's good news that Jesus gets what's, what we're going through and that he's there in it with us. But it goes so much further than just that. Because like those good friends that you have that are really good listeners. Do you have people like that where you can tell them all of your struggles and things that are going on? They're really good at listening and go, yeah, that's rough. But they can't really do much to help. <laughs> They're not really good at giving tools or resources. They're just a really good listener. Jesus is not like that friend. Jesus not only sympathizes with us. Well, here, it's the next point on your note sheet, or that first point there on your note sheet if you like to fill in the blanks. It's that Jesus gets our mess and provides in our mess. Not only does he understand, church, but he goes even further to provide for us in the mess. And it is good Christmas news for us this morning that Jesus was born the way that he was born and lived the life that you and I live and experienced what you and I will experience. That's good news. But can I tell you what even greater news is than that? Is that Jesus is no longer a baby that's just lying in a manger. He's actually a mighty king who's sitting on his throne. He's no longer a little baby lying in a manger, and that's great because we can relate with that. But he's now a mighty king sitting on a throne who was alive then and is alive today. And when Jesus, when King Jesus is sitting on the throne, man, he has so much more to provide for you than you realize. And so I want to talk about that now. What are these things that Jesus, that King Jesus has to provide for us? What, what are the Christmas gifts that he has for us this season. I, I'm a dad, and dad loves pun, dads love puns, so that's what we're rolling with, Christmas gifts. That's what Jesus has for us, for us this morning. And to look at these Christmas gifts, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 9 with you. I encourage you to flip there. That's in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 9. This is a prophecy that was spoken about Jesus 700 years before he was born. 700 years 
The prophet Isaiah spoke about Jesus as such in verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And man, I just love those descriptions that Isaiah gives to who Jesus is and what he would be called. There's two there that I really want to highlight that stand out to me. Wonderful Counselor and Prince of Peace. And I read those and I, I, I wonder, what does that mean? And so go back with me to that question. Why? Why was Jesus called Prince of Peace? Why is he called Wonderful Counselor? What does that look like? Well, based on these descriptions, I think that there's three pretty important gifts, Christmas gifts that I think Jesus has to offer us right now. The first of those on your note sheet, you can fill this in. It's the gift of wonderful counsel, that he is our wonderful counselor. And the question is, how does he provide this wonderful counselor? If he is a wonderful counselor, how does that happen? Well, and it's through his word. Simply put, it's through God's word that he provides wonderful counsel for us. And what I mean by when I say his word is, is scripture. It's this. It's your Bible. It's, it's God's spoken word. It's everything that he's given you and I for exactly what we need to live the best life possible that he designed. It's, helped, it's designed to help us navigate the messes that we find ourselves in. It's full of God's promises that have never failed, that indicate that God has never failed. He's always come through, and he always will, and he will never fail. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That's what his word is. It's a light for us. And the question that I have for you this morning, this Christmas weekend is, and what are some of the promises in God's word that you need assurance of this morning, church? What is the counsel that Jesus has provided you in here that you need right now? And I would encourage you not to neglect God's word. Don't neglect it. I feel like it goes without saying, but the reason I say that is because it's so easy for you and I to get lost in the messes that we find ourselves in. Would you agree? It's easy to get lost and actually forget all about God's word sometimes. We don't even give him a second thought because we're so caught up in what's going on around us. When the promises within God's word are the very things that we need reminding of in the mess. It's such a conflict that we find ourselves in. I encourage you not to neglect his word this season. What are those promises that God has spoken, what is the counsel that he has for you that you need right now? And so the first gift is wonderful counsel that he gives us. And the second is the gift of peace. The gift of peace is the second gift that Jesus has to offer us. Back to Luke chapter 2. Later on there, an angel appears to the shepherds and tells the shepherds that the Savior is born. And, and then after that happens in Luke chapter 2, in verse 13, it says that suddenly this angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. And just stop and imagine that for a second with me, would you? Joined by the armies of heaven? Like imagine that scene there. Praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth is a proclamation there by the armies of heaven. And I think that it's important that we understand what this word peace actually means because it's not the word that you're going to find in the Webster's Dictionary. It's not that definition that says freedom from disturbance. 
Because that's certainly not the case. You continue reading the story about Jesus, you're not going to find freedom from disturbance anywhere there. I promise you that. No chance. The word that's being spoken here by the angels is shalom. And you've probably heard that word. Maybe you haven't. It's an old Hebrew word. It's so rich and so full of meaning. And one of those meanings, one of the ways that this word shalom was used was as a greeting and a goodbye between people. Okay? And we, don't, we, we have a word that's very thinly associated with shalom, and it's actually when we say goodbye to people. And, and if you didn't know this word goodbye that you're saying is just the abbreviated form of God be with you. That's what you're saying when you say goodbye to people. God be with you. God be with you. And so what the angels are proclaiming here in this moment, the armies of heaven are proclaiming, is God is with you. Shalom. He is with you. And church, let me tell you that when that's the kind of peace that we have, knowing that the God of the universe is with us, that the mighty king sitting on the throne is with us, well, that changes our response to everything. That changes how we react in the mess that we find ourselves in. This is the kind of peace that allows us to be untroubled when everything else is in trouble around us. It's that kind of peace that doesn't even make sense. It's that peace where when people look at you and they go, why are you not freaking out right now? You go, because God's with me. It's this kind of peace that's proclaimed here. We talked at length about this with our staff the last two weeks, and this is what they told me about this kind of peace. They said, when my circumstances are telling me that the logical response would be to freak out and gain control, I instead can lean on God and entrust those things to Him. Whether that be my finances, wondering why my children are far from God, wondering why my chronic pain hasn't gone away, you fill in the blank. I know that God is with me and that I can trust Him. This is the peace that's made available to us. And I think about that and that sounds really great. If you're like me, sometimes I go, okay, that sounds great, but then how do I get that? Or even how do I get that kind of peace that you're talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul has a lot to say about that for us in Philippians chapter 4. You could join me there. Those verses will be up on the screen. Paul talks about it like this, Philippians 4, starting in verse 6. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. But see, I feel like we mix that up sometimes, and we read it a little bit backwards. We say, worry about everything, and instead pray about nothing. Don't tell God what you need, and shake your fist at him for all that he's done. And we don't posture ourselves correctly to be able to experience what continues. So I want to reread that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. Then... So posture yourself this way. Do this, then you will be able to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And man, I love that last part. I love this verse simply because of that last part. He says, it doesn't even make sense. This kind of peace that God has to offer you, it doesn't, it, there, it doesn't make logical sense. It's not rational. It's that peace that says, like I said, when people look at you, how are you responding this way? Because I have a peace that the world can't give. It's a peace that only Jesus can provide to me, and it doesn't make sense. This is the gift of peace that, that Jesus has made available to us, church. So the gift of counsel, the gift of peace, and then the last gift that I think Jesus has to offer us is the gift of salvation. It's there on your note sheet, that last point, the gift of salvation. 
In Matthew chapter 1, after Mary was told by the angel that she would have a child, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20, an angel has appeared to Joseph in a dream. So, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We were in a Bible study recently, and we talked about the significance of names and why specific names were given that would indicate what those people would go on to do. And this is a very specific name that the angel commanded Mary and Joseph to give to this baby, Jesus, Yeshua. That's the name that we translate Jesus to, Yeshua. And it literally means God is salvation. That's what Jesus' name means. God is salvation. And as the angel says that what Jesus would do is he would save the people from their sins. This is why Jesus lived the life that he lived. This is why he was born. So if you've been wrestling with that why question, why? Why would God do this? This is why. This is exactly why he was born, to do what God designed and created him to do, to live the life that we could not live. And what Jesus would ultimately do is bridge the gap between you and me and God and make it possible for you and I to be able to spend an eternity with him when we couldn't live the life that he called us to. And it's this gift of salvation that ultimately allows us to experience these other gifts that he has for us. That's what allows me to experience the gift of peace because I I know that God is with me because he is my salvation. I have him. I'm his and he is mine. And God is with me. And we, we were sharing a lot of stories about these gifts and particularly this gift of salvation this week. And one story that was just very striking to me stood out a member on our staff has a friend who's dealing with cancer right now and it's not great and it's not going well there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of anxieties and there's a lot going on but through discussions with her friend she says how are you feeling right now you know what her response is she says this is not my final chapter This is not my final chapter. Yeah, I love that response. And see, the gift of salvation is the only thing that makes a response like that possible. Because I know that God is my salvation, and this is not where it ends. That even right now, in the mess, if the mess doesn't go away, it does not matter because I have God and I'm His forever. And this is the gift of salvation that's made available to us, church. These are the gifts, the gifts of counsel through His Word, which is full of his promises to help us navigate the things that we find ourselves in this Christmas season. This gift of peace that only he can provide. And then the gift of salvation that's made available for those that choose to follow him. That God is with you forever. Our worship team is going to make their way up here. And as they're coming up here on stage, we wanted to take a a moment with you this morning to do something special.
And so we've talked a lot about this idea. Oh, there we go. Need that. We talked a lot about this idea, these Christmas gifts that Jesus has to offer us, how, how we receive some of those gifts. And Paul in Philippians would reiterate something to us that Jesus would actually first tell his disciples when he was with them, talking about this gift of peace that's made available, which exceeds all understanding, that doesn't make sense. And so what we wanted to do with you this morning, as we talked about it this week, some folks mentioned, Justin, I feel like it's hard for some people to be able to receive that peace because the mess that they find themselves in, they feel like they can't even make that reach out of the mess to receive those things. That it's so hard, that you're in such tunnel vision in those moments that it's hard to even receive those gifts that God has. And so we wanted to take a moment this morning with you all to allow you a moment to receive these gifts that Jesus has for you. And so this is what we're going to do. I want to read this scripture, not from my words, but what Jesus spoke to his disciples about this peace that's made available to us. And after we do that, we want to pray over you, each one of you in this room, wherever you find yourselves today. I don't know what mess you've come in here with. Maybe things are good. Maybe this is one of the hardest Christmases that you've had in a long time. I don't know. But I want to speak that peace and this, this, this prayer over each of you. And so our prayer team will join me as we do that. But I want to speak this passage. It comes from John chapter 14. Jesus is with his disciples. And this is what he tells them. So I'm going to ask all of you right now to stand up with me. I'm going to ask you, ask you to do something that might be a little weird. That's okay. Don't worry about it. I ask that you put out your hands like this. You might be wondering why we do that. You might see some people do that as they worship and we sing songs. You might be like, oh, that's weird. Let me explain to you why we do that. It's kind of a twofold thing. The first thing is you just opened your hands and we're letting go of something that we're carrying and holding on to. Control, anxiety, fear, pain, whatever. It's, it's this we're letting go of whatever that thing is. And then our hands are open to then receive what God has for us. These gifts that only he can provide to us. And so this is what Jesus says. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. That is good news, church. The peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. And so Jesus, this morning, I want to thank you for each person in this room. Thank you for bringing them here. Lord, first help us recognize that we need you. We recognize that, and so we invite you into this place right now. Lord, help us to see that we need you, that we can't do this without you. We can't navigate the mess without you, without your love, without your grace, without your direction, without your counsel. And so, Lord, for that first gift of wonderful counsel that only you can provide, I pray that over this room right now. Lord, would your promises and assurances from your word be made evident and abundant in the lives of people here. And Lord, for the gift of peace, the peace that only you can give, it's a peace we can't find anywhere else. It's a peace we can't find by numbing ourselves, by running in other directions. It's only a peace that you can give. Lord, I pray that over this room right now. This shalom, this knowing that you're with us in the mess. And then lastly, Lord, for the gift of salvation, 
Lord, for those that may not know you, that may not have made that decision to follow you, I pray that gift of salvation right now, that it would be received this morning, that they would make the decision to say, Jesus, I need you and I choose you. Lord, in that gift of salvation, of eternity, of knowing that you are with us forever, would be assured in this place. And so church right now, we're going to praise our Prince of Peace. We're going to praise and sing songs to him for who he is and what he's done for us. I invite you this morning, if you're struggling, if you're in a mess, would you go pray with our prayer team in the back? They would love to walk alongside of you in that. They would love to help you find some of that counsel that God has for you, to do that with you, to walk alongside of you. Take advantage of that opportunity. And then lastly, you notice that there's not communion around the room this morning. You might be wondering why, and that's because we're here this weekend to celebrate that Jesus lived then and that he lives now and is sitting on his throne. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.